CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. We are back talking more CFL football here today. We're going to do a bit of a different show here today, and we're going to focus on talking about the uh, CFL schedule for the 2018 season and breaking down. Uh, we know it was released back in December already, but we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about it so far. So today, that is the focus. Uh, let's bring in the other half of the duo, Michael Garrell. How are you, Mike? I'm all right. I'm all right. Let's get into talking about the uh, 2018 CFL schedule, Mike. I mentioned it. Uh, first of all, I mentioned it off the top of the show there that uh, we got the schedule a little early this year, back in December. Normally, we don't get it to about February. I think we talked about this back then, but uh, I'm assuming you liked that, getting it early. I did because it allowed me to plan my summer. It allowed a friend of mine, and I think I can say this now, but pardon me if I can't. It allowed me, it al- it allowed a friend of mine to set his wedding date. Oddly enough. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people make plans, you know, around the CFL schedule. If you're a season ticket holder, uh, certainly, uh, or just a fan of the game in general, so. The schedule comes out in December. Um, looking, Let's start with looking at the CFL schedule as a whole, and then we'll get kind of into a team-by-team look. What's what's your first thought when you look at the CFL schedule? I, I like the balance. It's spread out. Nobody, to my knowledge, has, you know, extremely short weeks. You know, yeah, there's a couple teams that have, you know, shorter weeks and games in short periods of time and all that kind of stuff. Um, but far and large, it doesn't really affect everybody. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and the thing I like to see, though I like most about the schedule, is uh, looking at the... Uh, first of all, we should mention the schedule is a little different than it, it was in previous years in that there's 21 weeks now instead of just 20, and each team gets three bye weeks, I believe it is, correct? Yeah. So the CFL, you know, changing the schedule a little bit, uh, give players, uh, give them an extra bye week, makes the season a week longer. But uh, down the stretch, just looking down the stretch, there are a heck of a lot of inter in-division games in the final couple weeks. Um, actually looking at it here, it's the week 21, the final week is all in-division so is week 20, so is week 19. Um, in week 18, you have Ottawa at Edmonton, but that's so there's only one cross division game in the final four weeks. Divisional matchups coming down the stretch when you know those games are huge. I love that the season ends with so many of those. Yeah, and it's gonna be jockeying for playoff position, especially if you're in the West. Uh... Even in the case of last year, you know, the West dominated the East in the head-to-head. You know, that's why we had the disparity in the division. 
But there would still be a lot to play for, you know, with head-to-head and teams behind in playoff seeding can have a chance to catch up with head-to-head. And it made sure that everybody was more teams as possible are in it with more at stake in the last couple of weeks, if that made any sense. Now, one of the things we've seen uh, come up in the schedule the last couple of years that wasn't really done that much before then, triple headers, Mike. Are you a fan of the triple headers? Can I say no? Just because I like to see if our weekend all spread out. Yeah, I think that's very fair. You know, it's great if you can get a triple header on a day when you have absolutely nothing to do. But when it lands on a day when you're busy, all of a sudden you miss three games, right? And uh, and then the days, yeah, it's basically, you know, condensed into two days when you could have it on three or have two doubleheaders. I think I almost prefer the Friday night doubleheader and Saturday doubleheader more than a tripleheader Saturday. But certainly, I mean, three back-to-back games, what is that, nine hours of football? That sounds like a pretty great day to me. Yeah, and it depends, right? I mean, uh, let's be frank. If you work in in my profession of the media where, you know, you're covering a lot of events and stuff, you might not be able to catch it, but thank goodness for the PBR. But, again, it's, you know, the CFL needs to figure out exactly what a happy medium is. And if it's, you know, triple headers late in the season, then so be it, right? They want a way to captivate the audience. And if a day of football is a way to go about it, just like the NFL that you have on Sundays, then that's great. Yeah, and, and I think I like like I like the triple header from the perspective of you know, if you're not going to any of those games, if you're if you're sitting at home watching on the TV, you know, mm-hmm. you're a CFL fan, maybe you have a bit of a party with with friends, uh, watching you know just an entire nine hours of CFL football together. That's great. The thing I don't like about them is, uh, like, looking at Week 21, for example, uh, this is in Central Times. You have uh, Winnipeg at Edmonton, 3 o'clock, uh, Montreal at Hamilton, 6 o'clock, and Calgary at BC, 9 o'clock. Now, I know Winnipeg's in Edmonton that day, but if the Bomber game was here, you know, if you're a season ticket or if you're going to that game, you end up missing a chunk of the next game by the time you get home. That's why they have PVRs, Ryan, but I'm with you. Oh, yeah, that's for sure why they have the PVR, but I don't know. In today's day and age, it's hard to PVR a game without uh, finding out the score, so. Uh-huh. You hit the nail right on the head. How many times have I PVR'd a Jets game because I'm doing a broadcast or whatever, and somebody comes up to me, you know that the Jets are winning so-and-so? And how many times I go, ah, don't tell me? How many, you know, times, how many times have you spoiled the results of a CFL game for me? Guilty. <laughs> Just kidding. No, you're, you're pretty good with that. I've, lear- I've learned to uh, tell you not to uh, before the but, game starts. So, With warning, I can keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, in terms of the triple headers, uh, the final week of the season has a triple header on Saturday at uh, that's the final day of the regular season. Uh, that's the one I just mentioned. Uh, scrolling through here. Week 18, Saturday, October 13th. I believe that's probably thanks. Nope, that's not Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's the weekend. Weekend after. Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Edmonton, BC, Calgary. 
that's going to be a great triple header there. Um, scrolling back through uh, September 20th. If, if only you could have gotten Hamilton and Toronto somehow in that triple header. To what, go and do four games on a day? No, no, no. Swap out the Ottawa-Edmonton. Swap out the Ottawa-Edmonton game, made them Friday night, and then have a triple header between Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Hamilton, Toronto, and then BC Calgary. That's a pretty darn good triple header. Uh, no disrespect to Ottawa and Edmonton. Well, I, I still think, I, I as much as that Hamilton-Toronto rivalry is pretty good, I love having that on the Friday night football as well, right? Uh, but Ottawa and Edmonton have a pretty good rivalry. If you go back to the 2015 Grey Cup, the 2016 East Final, you know, I think I think these are two teams that uh, that have built a bit of a rivalry. The one thing I would really like to get away from is the noon games on Sunday. Yeah, I'm not a fan of those either. Uh, those drive me crazy. See, as a as a fan, right? Seems to be mostly Montreal that has those generally, I believe. And then they probably put the riders up against, and I'm just looking in week uh, 16, because just that's when Rough Rider fans will come out and support the riders, even if they play at three in the morning. <laughs> Very true. Um, another triple header uh, in week 15: uh, Edmonton, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, Toronto, Hamilton, BC on Saturday, September 22nd. Uh, Good news is Winnipeg plays on the 21st, so we can all go to the football game and not miss a single minute of action on the 22nd. Perfect. That that sounds great to me. Um, and then week 13, I'm guessing. Nope, that's not uh, that's not Labor Day. That's the weekend. Is that the weekend after Labor Day? That's Banjo Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that's Banjo Bowl weekend. Uh, so you have uh, triple header on the Saturday. Hamilton, Toronto at noon. Uh, Central, uh, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Calgary, Edmonton in the evening game. So, oh boy, lots of, lots of triple headers on this year's CFL schedule, whether you like them or not. Well, that triple header particularly makes me crazy because <laughs> you got a rivalry game before, so you miss if you're going to the Bomber game, of course. You know, you miss a bit of the Toronto Hamilton game. You're at the Winnipeg game, and then you miss the front half of the Calgary Edmonton. Right, yeah. If you go to the middle game, you kind of you kind of miss a bit of both. But we also do live in the day and age where you can stream games on your phone. So if you're taking a yeah. bus ride to the game, you can still watch the game. The thing that surprises me is, and I love that the CFL did this, Labor Day weekend. I know they do this every single time, but... Four rivalry games that weekend. They got this right this year. And that's no disrespect to BC. Montreal, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Hamilton. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I like those. BC and Montreal always seem like those two teams, and now I guess Ottawa in there as well, that... Yeah, because Labor Day used to always be, you know, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Hamilton... And then it was like BC Montreal because those were the two right. teams. And then it was kind of like, well, that's not really like a you know a neighbor rivalry type of thing. It's the two farthest. I mean, if you go coast to coast and I guess wrap around the world, technically they're neighbors. But 
Like, <laughs> wow. That was that was one of those rival. That was because because Labor Day is always considered like rivalry weekend, right? And and you yeah, see Montreal was kind of always one of those matchups that was. Uh, Oh, it'll kind of, uh, well, these two teams still need to play, so let's play them against each other type of thing. And uh, Well, you didn't have an even bigger problem, but did that mean BC played the Atlantic Schooners in two years? Hey, they, again, wrap around the world, your neighbors. Close to close. <laughs> close I mean, enough. Close enough. Uh, but I, I, I do like that. Unfortunately, and this is no disrespect to Montreal, they haven't exactly had the greatest team in the CFL the last couple of years. So that rivalry with Ottawa has kind of been downplayed compared to what it, you know, could be. I'm hoping Montreal regains back to respectability this year and, you know, makes that rivalry game with Ottawa. Looking at the week one matchups, you have the, the Eskimos coming to Winnipeg. Uh, on the Thursday night, June 14th, you have Toronto in Saskatchewan, June 15th, uh, Hamilton in Calgary, June 16th, uh, in the first of a doubleheader with Montreal at BC. Do you like these matchups for week one, or uh, would you have rather seen other matchups? Well, the interesting thing that jumps out to me right away, only one in-division matchup. Yeah. And that's the and that's the Eskimos bomber. You know, I really like from a bomber fan standpoint that the season kicks off with playing the Edmonton Eskimos because absolutely the storylines, the storylines in it. You know, this is how their season ended last year, and I'm really interested to see week one. You know, and, and the Eskimos have one of the highest powered offenses in the CFL. Granted, the Bombers do too. But all the questions around the Bombers heading into the offseason had to do with the defense and the defensive scheme and everything involved with that. What better way to test it than week one by going up against Mike Riley and all his weapons? And then and then just to take it a step further, week two, you know, Montreal in their home debut after coming back from the West Coast. For week three, the Bombers did a look at Hamilton in Hamilton on Friday Night Football, so... Yeah, there's some really good matchups uh, to start the year. Well, and and another one I really like in that week one. Uh, so we don't get the Grey Cup rematch between Toronto and Calgary. What do you right. like? What do you... I, I was really disappointed, but they met in week one and week two last year, and that was it. So so, uh, so they do meet in week two, Saturday, June 23rd, Calgary and Toronto. But uh, are you disappointed they don't play each other first game of the year? Can I ask why? I, I don't know. I just that we've seen it done before. Grey Cup rematch week one. I was I was interested to see if that's something you liked or or not. Yeah, I don't know, Ryan. I mean, it's the only the the weird thing with the Grey Cup matchups in most cases, unless you have a crossover, which case in point, it never happened. Um, they only meet twice. Right. So one early and one late, maybe. I I did it drives me nuts but they have to get the great top rematches done in the first like two weeks of the season. Right. It, they play each other in week two. I'm just trying to find when they play each other a second time. 
um, this season. Toronto, Calgary, yeah, I think it is in the second half of the season here as I scroll through. But to me, and so so the Argos don't play Calgary in Week One, but they get to, but they play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that's a matchup I'm really excited to see because, you know, that was the East Division final uh, last year that had some pretty dramatic ending to it, and I'm excited to see that rematch. And especially, you know, the James Franklin, Chris Jones supposedly wanting James Franklin and. You know, all the stories that go with that. And, you know, Ricky Ray, maybe his final game at Mosaic. I think this class was at home. By the way, uh, Calgary-Toronto play each other again in Week 16. I just I just checked on that. Perfect. So Saskatchewan's at home to the Argos, yeah. So Zach Caleros' first game uh, as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider as well. Against the team that brought him into the league. Yeah, yeah. And then you get Hamilton and Calgary week one. I like that for Hamilton. I like that, you know, that's a tall order because we talked about how great they improved in the second half of the season, and we just wanted to see them kind of, you know, stay with the status quo in the offseason. They built things up last year. Let's see what happens coming into this year. I kind of like that they get that test in week one. It's certainly not going to be an easy matchup for them, but let's see if Hamilton's legit. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, very interesting uh, from Matt's standpoint. Um, everyone, every team kind of has their story about, you know, specific teams and specific storylines. And it's neat to see now that, you know, we take a look at this. That's some of the storylines that have come out. For sure. Um, and then you got uh, Montreal-BC to round out week one. That's one of those matchups that... I don't know if it has the most hype to it, but I'm certainly... I'm interested to see week one what Montreal's... Uh, what what we're going to expect from Montreal and what we're going to expect from BC because this is these are two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. So uh, the CFL probably said, okay, let's put the two teams... I didn't make the playoffs and a chance to start on the right foot. Yeah, that's I could see that logic. And then another question becomes, the winner gets hyped because they're the next playoff team, right? And I thought, oh, one game. They're 1-0, right? Right. So, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I don't know if that was coincidence or just happened to be that way. Let's uh, let's take some quick looks at each team's schedule individually here, Mike. Uh, let, let's start out east uh, with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, we talked about them starting off uh, week one in BC. Um, they seem to alternate home and away games uh, for the first uh, till about week seven. So they're they're in BC, then they host the Bombers, then they're in Saskatchewan, then they host Ottawa. Uh, they have a buy in week five. Uh, then they're in Calgary week six. Um, then they have a two game homestand, two game road trip, and they alternate. So no really long road or homestands for the Alouettes this year. It's always uh, max two games. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Looking uh, at the Alouette website, they promote their home opener against the Bombers on a splash page. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, going to be very interesting to uh, see what happens with Montreal. 
Uh, bye weeks come in week five, week 13, and week 18. So kind of nicely spread out for the Alouettes. Um, I feel like the Alouettes have always been one of those teams, and the Bombers always seem like the other, that get a lot of Thursday night games. Would, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, and it's a, yeah, a byproduct of trying to find something that may be worse to attract fans. And, you know, they're not, you know, they're on shaky ground attendance-wise for reasons that we haven't, or for reasons, sorry, that we have already talked about in the past. Um, maybe they're just trying to find some way to engage their fans in a, in a populated uh, city like Montreal, where it's seemingly all Montreal Canadians all the time. Um, looks like they've only got the one Thursday game in Week 7. They host the uh, the Eskimos, and then in Week 20 they play the Argos. Uh, is, or, sorry, that one's a Sunday game. So only one Thursday and one Sunday game for the Alouettes this year. Most of them come Fridays or Saturdays. I think that's something Alouettes fans are going to enjoy. I think that's something that they expressed uh, from what I heard when Randy Ambrosi came to town um, when he did his tour across Canada. You know, that um, to me, Thursday night games uh, in the middle of the week and Sunday games are... You, you want your games as a fan on Friday and Saturday, generally. And uh, generally, Alouettes... Although privately, in the summertime, I haven't minded the Thursday game. Yeah, that's true. They do those sometimes people, you know, for the people that want to go to the cabin in the summer. But um, so the Alouettes get Friday and Saturday games for the most part this year. Looking at their schedule, uh, just the first couple weeks, um, what do you make of the strength of their schedule? So they play BC, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Ottawa in their first four weeks. Well, there's no better measuring stick, let me tell you that. They come up. They come out of that one and three. I, mm, I think we know where the Alouettes stand. And then, uh, so they have their bye week. Then they've got Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton, Munch, or sorry, they are Montreal. Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton, Ottawa, Edmonton again, Toronto, and Ottawa before their next bye week. So, uh, two games with the Eskimos, two games with the uh, Red Blacks, uh, and then also. Uh, Hamilton, Toronto, and Calgary in that middle stretch there. I will tell you what. If Montreal doesn't get off to a dead start, the same to be said about every other team, but Montreal in particular with that schedule, man, things don't look good. Yeah, and you, you know, the thing is, uh, with all these in-division games to end the season that every team has, you know, if you can come out to a decent start and have a strong finish, yeah, you can do some damage, right? Uh, like, they play the Argos twice uh, and the Ticats once in their final three weeks of the season. So uh, That, that to me, would be, would be the telling tale on the Alouette season. Now, the question is, are they able to hold serve, quote-unquote, before now? Well, and, and the biggest key here for me is, I, like, I see Toronto and Hamilton winning the, win, being the top two teams in the East Division this year. Uh, I see potentially, you know, depending what the crossover situation is, uh, the Alouettes and the Red Blacks. Uh, the Red Blacks are going to be their biggest competition out east to try to get into a playoff spot. And uh, they play each other three times in the first 12 weeks of the season. So 
Um, that's going to be crucial that first half of the season for the Alouettes uh, because of those big matchups with the Red Blacks. Again, and I believe that Ottawa and I believe that Montreal has to somewhat hold serve against the West. Otherwise, they automatically find themselves out. Uh, moving over to the Ticats, Mike, uh, for their schedule, it looks like uh, their bye weeks. Uh, they also have a bye week in week five, so only three football games in week five um, this year. Uh, with each team getting three bye weeks, we're going to unfortunately see that. Uh, the Ticats get buys in week five, week 10, and week 17. Looks like they don't. They also don't have any long homestands, long uh, road trips. They do start their season with two back-to-back games. I mean, the entire start of the season for the Ticats, this is a brutal schedule for them. First two weeks, they're in Calgary and Edmonton. They host the Bombers in week three, and then they have a home-and-home with Saskatchewan in weeks four and six with a bye week in the middle. Their five games are against the top four teams in CFL's West Division. Ouch. Well, I guess there's no better time to show what you are than... Early in the season, I suppose. Right, yeah. Like I was saying with that test against Calgary in week one, this is where we're going to find out what happens with the Ticats. And, you know, it's a little worrisome because I think they have a lot of hype, a lot of potential around them coming into this season. I mean, yep. I think they can compete with these teams, but uh, could we look at a situation where after week six, you know, the Ticats are sitting at uh, an 0-5 record? It's possible. And then what happens then? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think you take a lot into into account. Uh, you know how they play. I, I I'm hard pressed trying to believe that what Hamilton would come out zero and five. They need to come out of that two and three at minimum. Some way, somehow. And then for the Ticats, the big uh, that's the big question is can they stay afloat? I think in the first half of the season because. Then after that, uh, you know, okay, they have they play three of four at home between uh, basically the end of June and the end of July. Um, and down the stretch, again, they have a lot of uh, games in division. So they finish off uh, their final four weeks are Toronto, Ottawa, Ottawa, and Montreal. And they play BC twice before then. So maybe a bit of an easier finish for the Ticats. But, you know, are we potentially going to see a case where, given the strength of their early schedule, it's too little too late for them. And then it all depends if there's a crossover or not, right? Right. You know, if being in for the top two is a lot harder than being in the top three, right? Right, for sure, yeah. So, again, it just it's one of those things where, you know, you hope to hold serve against the other division, but it just magnifies your 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 divisional your in division games. Now, Mike, looking at the uh, looking at the Toronto Argonauts, the defending Grey Cup champs, they have a bit more of a home heavy first half of the season. Um, let's see, it looks like uh, their first eight games, five of them are at home. Uh, they start on the road in Saskatchewan with that East final rematch. Uh, they don't have an easy start to the season either in terms of the teams they're playing. You know, they start with the Riders. Um, they play Calgary in week two. They have a bye in week three. But then they have a home and home with the Eskimos, a home and home with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And that's all before week seven. And that's week seven and earlier. Wow. 
Very, very tough schedule for some of these East teams. I looked at this and I know what I see on paper right now, quite frankly, is another West Division team crossing over. Well, and then that's the thing. We talk about the strength of divisions. You know, we talk about wanting interdivisional games uh, in the final stretch of the season. This is what we're going to get in the first half then, right? Is, you know, some of these Eastern teams playing a stronger West Division at the start of the season. Yeah, it's so unfortunate. Um, You know, everybody plays everybody, and it's just a matter of how do you do with the game in front of you? And for a lot of the teams, it's going to be one game at a time, one quarter at a time, one drive at a time, and go from there. By weeks in week 14, week 9, and week 3. So, so far as we're going through this, I've noticed, you know, the bye weeks are pretty nicely spread out. We don't have a situation like, was it Ottawa last year that had two buys in the final three weeks or something like that? Yeah, it's very well spread out for everybody. And the interesting thing when looking at the Argos schedule is, for the most part, when we talked about how teams like Montreal had home and away, home and away, home and away type of thing, the Argos seem to have two-game homestand, two-game road trip, two-game homestand, two-game road trip, alternating the entire season long, besides a stretch of uh, about three weeks in the middle of the season. Well, granted, they share their facility with the soccer team. Right. So probably having to work around with them a little bit. Yeah, uh, Toronto FC gets first priority with dates. Uh, Toronto FC is already playing. Uh, regular season games, uh, they've had one already, and it's just, it's all building availability. The the Argos finish off their season with uh, so they week eighteen and nineteen they host Hamilton and then Montreal, and then they're on the road in Montreal and then Ottawa to finish off their season. Teams have opportunity to finish strong. Will they capitalize? Looking now, finishing off out east with the Ottawa Red Blacks, they have a bye in week one. You know, as a fan, I would hate my team having a bye in week one. I know we had that, I think, with the Bombers last year, right? Yeah. Where the Bombers uh, didn't... Wasn't it last year where they didn't play? Oh, last year. So, yeah, they opened more in week two. Right. I hate that because you have the whole build-up for the regular season that it's like, oh, can't wait, got to wait another week for my team to play. But I guess the way it works out, someone's got to have a bye every week, right? And uh, this year it's Ottawa's turn in week one. Yeah, and then let's let's tip this Atlanta team in here. And then maybe let's see how that balances. Well, I, I think once we get that, we're not going to see a team having a bye every week, would we? I imagine we'll have a couple weeks where maybe two teams get a bye, uh, and then you could drop down to four games type of thing. I, I'm trying to remember what it was back in the day with an eight-team lead. I think one division, half a lead had a bye one week, the other half had the bye the other week. And then I don't believe the two byes came into effect until Ottawa came into the lead. So I'm just trying to trying to think about the last time the lead was at an even number. Um, again, I don't believe there's a way you can... Yeah, because it used to be it used to be there were two weeks in the middle of the season, wasn't there, where instead, yep. of, uh, instead of four games, you had two games each week, and so four teams got a bye, and I think that's how they used to do the byes. I'm not 100% sure. 
Yeah, no, no, you're right. And I remember it used to be one year, it used to be one division, and then the other division would have the bye. Yeah, instead of rotating, okay, this team's up for a bye every week. It was, they blocked off a couple weeks in the season to give everyone their bye weeks. I, I just can't wait to see what happens uh, if this Atlanta team comes to fruition, and it looks like it will by all accounts. Not a matter of if, but when. Um, and then just how that changes things. Yeah, it looks like the Red Blacks are the victims of uh, a lot of the Thursday night games this year. Uh, looks like uh, they've got four games on Thursday nights over the summer. Yeah, I'm surprised the Bombers didn't get more, but the uh, fans were probably clamoring and stuff to get away from Thursday. The funny thing was um, just listening to Regina Radio when the schedule came out. And Ryder fans were freaking out about Thursday night football. Because I think Regina got the week two Thursday night game. So there were fans just kind of freaking out about that. Week 1, 11, and 16 for the bye weeks for the Red Blacks. Start of the season schedule. What do you make of the strength of this one, Mike? Uh, at home to the Riders, on the road to Calgary and Montreal, and then uh, and they host uh, Calgary and B.C., um, Hamilton, or in Hamilton and Toronto, and uh, then hosting Montreal. That's in the first nine weeks of the season. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult run for everyone involved. I, I think the I think the Red Blacks have one of the more balanced schedules, especially of the teams out east. You know, they have a couple games um, with the Montreal Alouettes early on uh, with the Ticats. Uh, they're big. They don't really have a huge block of Western teams they have to play. I would argue weeks 14 to 18, they've got the Riders, the Eskimos twice, and the Bombers. That's going to be tough. Um, but I think their schedule is decently balanced. Yeah, Ottawa again. Like they they need to. They got rewarded for a crappy schedule last year with a fairly decent one this year. Yeah, it was a really rough schedule last year, wasn't it? I think they played 17 straight weeks to start the year or something like that. Yep. So, again, it's, and it's common sense prevailing by bringing in that extra week. It kind of lessens the load off of everybody. The, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, um, the Bombers' schedule, I think, the Bombers caught a pretty darn good schedule this season, if you ask me. Um, we talked about Thursday night games. We talked about Sunday games. The only Sunday one is the Banjo Bowl, and obviously that's going to be on the Sunday. Or and the Labor Day. The Labor Day Classic, right. The Banjo Bowl's on Saturday now. It used to be Sunday as well, but you get the Labor Day Sunday game. I mean, that's the classic, uh, and you get that uh, season kickoff on a Thursday night against the Eskimos. Other than that, every game is on a Friday or Saturday for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's okay. I mean... How many Thursday games did we have last year? Five? Four? It seems like that's always roughly the number. But anyway, I just remember the Bombers playing Thursday after Thursday in the early summer. And, and I, I didn't mind it. Because uh, you know, uh, somebody that goes to the late fairly often in the summer and not wanted to miss a Bomber game, that was kind of really good. Buys uh, in week 8, 14, and 19 for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Do you like that spread there? I do. I'd help the Bombers down the stretch. I I believe they would go into their week 14 by play week 15, 16, 
17 and 18. Have a bye. Close out the season with two games. And then hopefully a bye in the Western semifinal. And uh, then host in the West final. They have a pretty back-end heavy schedule, I think, in terms of the, the competition on paper. Um, I think they have a bit of an easier go in the first half of the season. I think, the, honestly, the Bombers are going to need that because that's a tough finish to the season. Looking at the first half, I mean, you host the Eskimos, that's not going to be an easy matchup. Then you've got uh, Montreal and Hamilton, two road games there, a home-and-home home with BC, then a home-and-home home with the Toronto Argonauts in the first seven weeks before the bye week. Very dead schedule, if you ask me. Uh, there's potentially a couple tough matchups in there, but I felt like the Argos gave the Bombers some fits last season. Um, and obviously they went on to the Grey Cup. And we, and we shall not speak of that misfield in Toronto in and, October. I mean, let's remember, you know, we talked maybe about this being a bit of an easier schedule because they play Montreal. I mean, the Alouettes only won three games last year, but those games against the Bombers, they almost won and arguably should have won if they didn't blow it. Yeah, and the one... One thing that stood out to me, I think, about the Montreal game here was wasn't that on the night of that absolute monsoon rainstorm? And it was just pouring rain the whole first half. I think that was Montreal in town. That could have been. I don't remember quite. Sorry, uh, it was Ottawa. It was Ottawa, not Montreal. Right. Because it gave Lindley a whole bunch of problems. And, and that's... that's that's right. You look, at, you look at matchups between the Bombers and the Lions over the last couple of years, even though the Lions weren't the greatest, last, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Those are very close matchups between those two teams, very heated and dramatic. So we look at this on paper as, you know, an easier start to the season for the Bombers. But if you take those into account, I'm not so sure it is. You know, I, I keep thinking about that one... Uh... Early season matchup last year at BC Place, you know, where the Michael Shea went to fate punts, doesn't get it, and the Bombers lose like 45-42 or something like that. Can't remember the score. That might have been it. i rather forgetful. <laughs> it was over almost a year ago. Right. And then the, the two games here, and in the last two years, I would venture to guess a lot, a lot of what you said, and that was uh, some of the better games that the Bombers have played or some of the more heartbreaking games, whichever way you look at it, have been played against BC. The Bombers get a nice uh, nice homestand in the middle of the season there. So first of all, between weeks two and weeks six, um, they play, uh, so after hosting Edmonton to start the season, they play four of their next five games on the road. That's okay. The Bombers did do play pretty good away last season. Um, certainly that's, uh, but then they do get a nice homestand in the middle, three straight home games with a bye week in the middle before, uh, before embarking on the second half of the season. I don't mind that. I, I believe, you know. Teams being on the road and gathering, gathering, uh, what do we call it? Gathering team camaraderie and getting to know each other. 
being on the road early might not be such a bad thing. And this is what I mean about the tough second half of the schedule. So they, they you have the classic home and home with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Labor Day and Banjo Bowl. Yeah, you play them. Then they have a bye week. Then they play the Montreal Alouettes. But then uh, in their final one, two, three, four, five games of the season, they play Ottawa twice, or sorry, Edmonton twice, Ottawa once, the Riders again, and Calgary. Oh wow, that's a tough finish to the season, if you ask me. From from weeks eleven, from week eleven till the end of the season, they play Calgary twice. Saskatchewan three times, Edmonton twice, Ottawa once, and Montreal once. Bring it on. We'll find out if the Bombers are, you know. I'd rather have a tough schedule going into the playoffs, personally. Yeah, and again, it's, you know, we're basing all of this on last year. Last. Oh, year, yeah, everything's going to change, right? It's Last year's record, based on last year, this is a difficult schedule. You know, it's it's very interesting, you know, once the season starts. I I would honestly put the bombers up against anybody. Oh yeah, I'm not saying those are all losses in the final weeks of the season. No, I think no, they're tough but, matchups, right? Yeah, but don't you want tough to see where your team stands going into the playoffs? And that's exactly what I just said, right? It it's 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 very I have no problem with the Blue Bombers schedule. It allows them to iron kinks out and stuff early in the season and kind of hit the ground running with momentum and hopefully a winning record going into the back half of the season. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders play three of their first four games at home, including hosting Toronto in Week 1. Uh, they play in Ottawa Week 2, but then they host Montreal and Hamilton, so... Uh, actually, they have a home-and-home home with the Ticats, so the very East-heavy start for the Riders. They play uh, in the first six weeks. They uh, they play only Eastern teams. They have a bye in Week 5, as well as in Week 9 and 21. So they, 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 they have the bye in the final week of the season. Yeah, it's... Uh... There's a statue, and it's major break, right? I mean, what they're banking on is a really good home record to get them off to a good start. And they seem to me just like the Bombers have a lot of divisional games in the back half of the year. Saskatchewan Rough Riders only have a single Friday night game the entire season. Where is everybody else on the weekend? Everything, well, everything uh, once they get past uh, Labor Day, because then they don't do Thursday games anymore. Everything's on a Saturday or Sunday or uh, Thanksgiving Monday. Um, and then they have a couple Thursday night games in weeks four and week six and week two. And in week one, they have the one Friday. So only one Friday night game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So let me do this straight. The Riders have three Thursday games? Yeah. Three Thursday games. One Friday, one Monday, everything else Saturday, Sunday. Huh. That might actually be a benefit. How so? How? how, how here's another question. I, I don't have a schedule in front of me, so I apologize to our listeners. Um, what is the turnaround time, say, on average from a Sunday game or even a Monday game? I know that Monday game is... Uh, Presumably Thanksgiving. Yeah. 
What is the average turnaround? How many days? About uh, well, about a week, right? Because they play they 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 don't have Friday night games. So if they play a Saturday or a Sunday, it's going to be the next Saturday or Sunday. See, so that is not as bad as you know playing on a Friday, playing on a the following Saturday, and then the following Saturday turning turning around and playing on the following Thursday. Right. They do have a couple cases where they do play uh, Saturday and then Thursday the week after, but um, come on, they did three bye weeks. They did an extended season. Yeah, it, it balances out, right? You know, everybody has a crappy part of the schedule. It's just how you choose to deal with it. I almost feel like this year, though, I haven't seen many complaints about the schedule. And, and I think there's only one team that uh, has, you know, probably a crappy schedule, and we're getting to them next uh, from what I've seen. But uh, overall, I think, you know, this is a good schedule overall. There's nothing like Ottawa having two buys in the final three weeks or Toronto playing three games in, what was it, like 15 days last year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three and fifteen or three and fourteen, and I think maybe four and seventeen at one point. Speaking of, and the team I was talking about that I think has a bit of a rougher schedule is the Edmonton Eskimos, actually, because I think late in the season, um, yeah, so they play from October eighth to October nineteenth. They play three games in eleven days, Mike. One team has to do it in the lead with uneven. The uh, they they play uh, in Saskatchewan on the uh, Thanksgiving Monday, then uh, travel home to host the Red Blacks on the Saturday, so five days later, and then uh, Friday night uh, they got to travel what, to BC. What time is the Monday game? Three p.m. Central. So yeah, I guess Saskatchewan is Central, so three p.m. Actually, they'll be an hour behind now because what time of the year is that? October? Yeah. Ah, uh, so I don't know. Depends when daylight savings time is. Yeah, so it should either that'll be a two o'clock or a three o'clock, and then they turn around. I'd imagine a charter plane back to Edmonton, uh, not commercial, so that they can get uh, to work with their next game. The Eskimos have a lot of back and forth in terms of one at home, one on the road, one at home, one on the road throughout most of the season. Um, After coming to Winnipeg in week one, they host Hamilton and BC in weeks two and three, then have a home and home with the Argos before getting their first bye week in week six. Um, Week six, 14 and 20 for the bye weeks for the uh, Edmonton Eskimos. My word of advice for the Eskimos? Bank wins early. They have the schedule to be able to bank wins earlier, of course, based on last year's records. But again, it's does Edmonton put themselves in a bit of a situation where, you know, those that busy stretch in October, I think it is. Um, are those going to be must win, or will they have enough wins in the first half to kind of? Even if they go one and two or two and one in that stretch, you know, kind of fend it off, if you know what I mean. 
And, and, and they alternate home and away games to end off the season. And, you know, as much as everyone wants a homestand late because you can make a big push for the playoffs, I almost like the idea of, you know, home and away, home and away down the stretch because, you know, depending if you're fighting for a playoff position and like we had in the West where you could, you know, finish anywhere from second and hosting a playoff game to going to be the crossover team, you need to be able to play your best at home and on the road. I think there was one situation where Edmonton was wasn't home for something like thirty twenty eight days or something like that between home games, and I I I think I think it's ideal from a standpoint, but it gives everybody a chance to host games of playoff implications. Right. You know, if you balance the home and away late. Uh, two more teams to go here, Mike. We'll move over to the Calgary Stampeders next. Uh, they kick off their season, like we mentioned before, by hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, then we get a rematch with the Argos, the Grey Cup rematch in Week 2. And Weeks 3 and 5, we get their games against the Red Blacks, which uh, put those down as two ties, or put those down as two overtime games already. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Can you read me the first couple of names in Calgary's schedule? Yeah, first of all, they're bye weeks. They get one in week four in the middle of that home and home with Ottawa. Uh, they get one in week nine, and then one in week fifteen. So decent spread out for them as well. Um, yeah, that's that's the one thing, Ryan. With moving to a twenty-one week season is. Every team kind of has their bye weeks decently spread out. Yeah, and you see, and and in listing off these bye weeks, I've also noticed that you know we've been repeating some of them. It's because we have now have some of these weeks that only have three games, um, which allows you know three teams to have a bye in one week. Uh, we see that in weeks five, nine, and fourteen. I think are the only ones I can tell. So so that you know that gives kind of consistency between all of these teams where, okay, now we can give three teams a bye week this week, three teams one and another, three teams one and another type of thing. Yeah, and a lot of that, everything is predicated on schedule and TV and all that kind of stuff. And let's be frank, TSN drives the bus on some of this stuff. For sure. Uh, you wanted to know the early schedule. Uh, how far do you want me to go for this? How uh, how how long? Uh, probably about week six. Uh, so week one they host uh, Hamilton. Week two in Toronto. Week three host uh, Ottawa. Week five uh, they're in Ottawa, and then week six they host the Montreal Alouettes. Lots of Eastern games. Well, we've seen that pretty much with everyone due to that long stretch. They they want the second half of the season to have the most exciting football, and the CFL feels that those the, the most exciting football is within the division, and I don't think they're wrong in assuming that. Right, and then you could have a lot of teams, especially out west, if what happened last year happens again. A lot of five, six, seven, eight, maybe nine win teams when it comes down to that final stretch. And it would just leave battles uh, in both divisions. And goes back to what I said earlier, put emphasis on division wins. And maybe out of division wins to help yourself 
and give yourself some room should you lose some of those division games. Yeah, so they don't so they don't play anyone in the West until week seven, and then they play uh, and then they go on a Western tear. Basically, uh, they play Saskatchewan, BC, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Edmonton, all in a row with a bye week in the middle. So that middle chunk of the season is going to be the test for the Esk- for the Calgary Stampeders, I think. Everyone has, and this is the thing in a, in a nine-team league, everybody has a, a part of the schedule that's going to test them. And, and that's the exciting part, because that's kind of the unknown. Right. And finally, rounding things out here, Mike, the BC Lions, they kick off their season week one by hosting the Alouettes, and then they get a bye in week two. They also get by... Hey, that's almost as bad as a week one bye. Having it in week two? Yeah. Just because you get hyped up and then you have to wait two weeks? Yep. Uh, weeks two? I, I, I think any buy in the first four weeks of the season, to be honest with you, is bad. Yeah, and... and, and also a buy in week 19, 20, or 21. And I think uh, if the CFL does add a 10th team or what it does, I think maybe we'll see them obviously go away from that. It's just a matter of you have nine teams each week someone can't play unless, you know, you're going to broadcast them for playing against themselves. But yeah, it's I'm, a kidding. I'm kidding with that statement, obviously. It's a very interesting scenario for sure. I feel like the Lions don't have the best schedule here, Mike. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. They have bye weeks in weeks 2, 7, and 12. Don't get a bye at all and basically in the final nine weeks of the season. Um, oh. Early on in the season, uh, after hosting Montreal, they play uh, five of their next... Or four of their next five on the road and five of their next seven. So, uh, including matchups two with the Bombers. Uh, home and home with... Or, sorry. Week three... In Edmonton, uh, home and home with the Bombers, then in Ottawa, in Calgary, host the Eskimos, and then they're in Toronto. And this is BC? Yeah, that's a tough start to the season for the Lions, I feel like, with four games on the road. Because BC Place has always been that place that the Lions play really well at, and teams have struggled to come in there. But I don't know if the Lions are that good on the road. I really don't because uh, here's here's another interesting thing. Uh, you know, we saw the BC go. I they were two and two in their first uh, four games last year. No, they started. They started. They were five and two at week seven. Yeah. So then then they were they were two and two, and then they went on a three game Ontario road trip. Swap bat, they were five and two, and then the downward thing started for them. And you know, BC is one of those circumstances where they maybe get victimized by the where they are located, right? And it just it puts emphasis on their road games, it, it really does. Uh, you know, home teams coming to BC might be a bit cranky with the time change, especially you know, not necessarily. From you know anything east of Winnipeg is advantage BC in the time change. Winnipeg West, okay, 
maybe a bit of prudence given one hour, right? But an hour is a lot. Two hours is a lot. Three hours is a substantial amount. It just it puts emphasis on home games. For sure. Well, Mike, we've gone through everyone's schedule here. Um, so the regular season wraps up Saturday, November 3rd with that triple header. Um, you've got the division semifinals on Sunday, November 11th, uh, the division finals Sunday, November 18th, and then, uh, Sunday, November 25th, we crown the 106th Grey Cup champion. Crazy, crazy. And every team had like a question mark of how their season didn't go and, and their season will go well if this, this, and this happens. One one thing I didn't uh, one thing I wanted to ask you because uh, you know we touched on all of these home and home series. Uh, are you a fan of the home and home series, Mike? Yes, it gets rid of. Uh, yes, it allows you to game plan for a team quicker, but no, it gets rid of head to head matchups uh, quicker, especially if it's east west. Uh, you know, you get those head to heads out of the way. So again, they're unavoidable. I'll just say it depends who you ask. That's fair. I I, I think, you know, the Labor Day Classic uh, Banjo Bowl weekend, uh, you always have the rematches there. I like those because that's like the iconic classic middle of the season matchups. In terms of the home and home, I I think they're interesting because I love watching the gamesmanship between two teams. And I don't think we got a better... I don't think we got a better indication of what I'm talking about with that than that home and home between BC and Saskatchewan last year, where oh, yeah. the Lions dominate that first game until Bridge comes in and uh, plays mop-up duty and scores two quick touchdowns. And the Lions are running high at that point. There's questions about the Riders, and well, they come into Saskatchewan, and the Riders just handed it to them. Yeah, Dan, it's a mindset and sight and uh, mindset and impressions of what a home-and-home to do psychologically. All right, that does it for this episode of the podcast. Stay tuned for all of our content coming. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye. Bye.